Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. In a week when the Chinese Olympic Committee became increasingly concerned for the welfare of Donny van der Beek, despite the release of video purporting to show him playing for the English football club Manchester United in a game at Watford. Van der Beek is clearly not happy, they said, and we believe this footage to be a lie. If you look at the players around him, they are clearly not professionals. See how baffled they look. Also, they cannot kick. We believe them to be actors. The goalkeeper is obviously the man from Wolverine. <laughs> and it was a week in which it was announced that the Brit Awards are scrapping their male and female categories, which means that apparently Adele and Ed Sheeran are going head to head. It's going to be on Sky Box Office at two in the morning, and I think she's going to finish him, which will be bad news for Ipswich Town because he sponsors their shirts. <laughs> it was interesting to speculate about the outcome of a potential fight on the undercard between Jurgen Klopp and Mikel Arteta after their mid match slap fest on Saturday. Experts are saying the Liverpool boss has the height and reach advantage, but Arteta has Kung Fu grip. Now, after what was described as an unusual but extremely productive talk with Prime Minister Boris Johnson, FIFA have identified their favoured venue for the 2030 World Cup, much to the delight of the FA of Peppa Pig World. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it, to think of him visiting Peppa Pig World. I think he only went because he thought there'd be a trough he could get his snout in. He said, apparently, who'd have believed that a pig uh, that looks like a hairdryer uh, could be an international success? To which Pepper replied, who'd have believed that a pig that looks like it's been attacked by a hairdryer could be Prime Minister? <laughs> now, it's now less than a year to go to the Qatar World Cup. We're supposed to be excited about this, aren't we? But if it wasn't in stupid Qatar, it would be in June, so it would only be seven months away. Did you see David Beckham at the Qatar Grand Prix? I, I did, and John Terry. Yeah, and, mm. and Gianni Infantino holding the World Cup. Yes. And, you know, Bex is there. That's 15 million quid's worth of ambassadoring right there, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. He could put his feet up for the rest Money of the well year. earned. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Other footballers showed up, didn't they, for a promotional kickabout, including, as you say, John Terry, Marcel Desailly, uh, Patrick Clivert, and Andrea Pirlo, the Italian Calvin Phillips. Did you see, by the way, that Qatar arrested two Norwegian journalists yeah. and erased the footage they'd taken of migrant workers being mistreated. Yeah. It seems like the World Cup could do with a Norwegian ambassador. I wonder if anyone's available. Absolutely. Well, I did think, you know, that uh, that's a dangerous precedent because once uh, we get to the World Cup, there's going to be so many journalists there. They're just not going to know what to do. I think what they should do is just arrest one and make them an example to the rest. <laughs> and I'm going to suggest Danny Murphy. Well... <laughs> Anyway, before we encase ourselves in the sumptuous velvet accoutrements of the Premier League, as George Costanza would do if only it were socially acceptable, let us first don the hair shirt of penitence for whatever it is that karma is punishing us for and take a squint at the very bottom of the EFL. Last Saturday, my team, Oldham Athletic, finally managed the grandstand finish that has been eluding us in recent months against Port Vale. We were, as usual... 2-1 down with nine minutes to go. But this time, we somehow managed to get the ball into the opposition area without two or three of their...
their players going down claiming some sort of head injury, and our left back smashed in an equaliser. Better still, in the third minute of injury time, he almost repeated the feat, only to have a veil defender launch it into the top corner with a diving header own goal. Absolutely glorious thing. There are some great ways, aren't there, to score an own goal. You don't want to just deflect it in off your knee or something like that and then be given responsibility for it. Do you see the own goal that Stockport sent half scored for Bolton in that really exciting FA Cup game last week? There's the kind of swing and a miss that scuffed in off his standing foot. Mm. That's a classic, obviously. But the diving header own goal. That's the best, I think. Yeah, yeah. In fact, own goals should only count if they're like that. It should be uh, only dead good dead own good goals. Owns, <laughs> yeah. Headers and volleys count. Yeah, everything else should just be disallowed out of pity. Absolutely. But Oldham fans still talk about a diving header own goal that Bobby Moore scored for us when he was playing for Fulham in 74-75 or thereabouts. Like a bullet it was into the top corner. Absolutely unstoppable. And yet he was never knighted. It's a disgrace. <laughs> Other highlights of Saturday included returning mascot Chaddy the Owl clapping along with chants against the owners. So He's not going to last very long if he carries on like that. And, uh, but how would you know if if a mascot has been replaced? How would you it's know? impossible well, to well, know. Well, no, exactly. The the original in contents of Chaddy the Owl would be in in a gulag somewhere. Yes. <laughs> but uh, and Jamie Hopcut, uh, a player, finally coming back from an injury he picked up on his debut back in August. So he's like a new player. The commentator on the Oldham coverage said this. People will remember him from his time at Ostersunds. <laughs> what sort of a thing is that to say? To the most parochial, imaginable audience. Who's following Oldham and Ostersunds? Wow. You know, vowel yeah. fans. <laughs> a Graham Potter's ex-club, of course. Was it? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe Graham Potter's following them. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. anyway, on Tuesday night at Northampton, Latics reverted to form, which in our case is trying to feel encouraged because we only lost 2-1 for the third time in four games. Even so... Keith Curls Oldham sat proudly on top of the mini League of Keiths, ahead of Keith Millen's Carlisle and Keith Hill's Scunthorpe, and no one else. Stevenage, the next team up, are yet to appoint a Keith and have actually been flirting with a Steve, Steve Evans of Gillingham. Oh, who may yes. be flirting back, it's hard to tell. He might just be fluttering his eyelashes because he got too much guy liner on them. But then yesterday, Keith Curl was sacked by mutual consent. <laughs> by mutual consent, don't you? <laughs> Sorry, how does that work? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like, get the hell out of here. I'm going. <laughs> I'm not stopping around here. Yes, get out. <laughs> sack me, please, sack me, please. <laughs> anyway, but it means we lose our top Keith status, which is the closest we've come to a trophy for 30 years. <laughs> we have an interim head coach now. Very much on trend, very much very modern. Salim Benashur has moved up from the academy for Saturday, so we shall see if we get a Benashur bounce, shall we? Oh, well, I would hope that you would do. Yeah. Anyway, let's start with after our chat last week with uh, Mark Gregory. Mark Gregory, Mark Gregory, yeah, yeah, yeah. The finances of the game. It's interesting to see that the government's fan-led review, chaired by MP Tracy Crouch, has now delivered. It's 47 recommendations. God, the game's fucked, isn't it? I know, 47 it really recommendations. Did, did you see, I don't know whether you saw the picture on the BBC website that accompanied the, the, the uh-huh. revelations about the new football ombudsman, as I like well, to think of them. Ombudsperson. Um, and, and it's a, yeah, and it's, a, it's a bloke outside Chelsea with a, with a banner that says, football belongs to us not you and you know what that's exactly the problem because that's the fucking opposite of what's happened it belongs to them not us that's yeah. the problem football belongs to you here's my, here's my banner I spent ages making it anyway the, the uh, recommendations include setting up an independent regulator for football to prevent it lurching from crisis to crisis you know that was uh, basically Mark's point as well and you know the same Caveats apply, as we were saying last week. You know, you set up an independent regulator, but who the hell is it, and what sort of teeth do they absolutely, have? Absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, I, the measures are to stop. There's measures to stop clubs joining breakaway leagues. Yep. Set up after the ESL fiasco and other total disasters like the, the ones at Bury and Derby and Reading. And Macclesfield, the documentary with Robbie Savage. Yes, which is yes. Horrible. I mean, you've got to imagine as a Macclesfield fan, you're thinking, <laughs> how could it get any... Oh, Robbie oh, Savage no, wait, is taking over. <laughs> oh, no, wait, it just did. <laughs> it just did. It, the funny thing I thought, but you know when they're trying to bring in Operation Big Picture, which was the yeah. big parry thing, was... Um, the, the immediate reaction from the big six was, you can't just drop something like this on us without any warning. And you're thinking, and this was literally two weeks after the European Super League <laughs> thing happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are there are other things. Of course, there's a scheme involved uh, uh, that Tracy Crouch is suggesting setting up to oblige owners to pass an integrity check showing they're of good character, which apparently does more than the toothless current owners and directors test. Um, something called a golden share for supporters 
that would theoretically at least give fans a say on heritage issues. It feels like legacy fans, doesn't it? Heritage issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. things like moving to a new stadium or changing the colour change the colour of the shirts like they did at Cardiff that time. Yeah. Um, but the most interesting interesting stuff, I think, goes into the areas that we were talking about with Mark last week um, in his book, uh, basically changing, trying anyway, to change the financial balance of the game so that the billions that are flooding in um, support the whole pyramid. pyramid. And yeah. um, there's, a, there's a proposal along those lines to reform parachute payments, which was a thing that Mark was talking about. But um, the one that I haven't heard floated before, I guess, is this um, idea of a 10% levy on transfer fees paid by EPL clubs to other EPL clubs or to foreign clubs. And um, over the last five years, apparently, this would have provided something like $160 million for redistribution yeah. lower down and blah, blah, blah. And they're calling it stamp duty so that rich people can understand what it means. <laughs> yeah. But what this does, I think, I mean, is it, it, it does at least get at the riches of football's elite at the point where it's leaving the clubs, you know, at the point where it's being spent, you know. And if this had the effect, I don't know if it will, if it had the effect of reducing agents' fees as well, so much the better, you know. Well, but the, the thing about that is it, that is such an easy thing for them to work out a way to, 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 to go around. All they'll do is not pay a transfer fee. They'll do something different through someone else and, and via yeah, yeah, this yeah. place and that place. It's just ridiculous. The idea that, you know, somebody like the, the Glazers or, or, the, or John Henry at, at Liverpool, these people have, have no feel for all of this stuff. They no. will look at it and go, well, yeah, we could do all of that. Or not, and so the answer is not. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the. Um, I mean, what Tracy Crouch says was, you know, these. She's keen to stress that these recommendations are not a menu to pick and choose from. They're all part of an interconnected plan. And the clubs immediately said, well, we'll look at those and we'll talk to the EFL and the FSA, and then we'll pick and choose which ones we want to well, agree like, to. Exactly, and it reminds me. It reminds me talking about not having a real. Uh, feel for what football is about when when uh, Franz Beckenbauer signed signed for the New York Cosmos, and he made his debut. <laughs> he made his debut, and the owner of New York Cosmos went down to the changing room at half time, and said, and I quote. Tell the crowd to get his ass up front. We don't pay a million for some guy to hang around in defence. Well, I think that tells us something about... Now, not all Americans, but a lot of Americans. Yeah. Do you remember when we were in France, we met the... the oh, I'm a really big football fan, American uh, supporter. USA-Iran yeah, game. Yeah, who yeah. was bemoaning the fact that, that, that they hadn't won because mm. um, they'd had terrible bad luck. Do you remember what he said? Yeah, yeah, I remember he said. <laughs> we should have won that game. We had four pole shots. Four pole <laughs> shots. <laughs> That's four where we're going. Four pole shots. Pole shots are coming yeah, yeah. exactly well you know you it's fine i think as as we said last week to have an independent regulator in theory but who's it going to be you know what sort of weight would they well, actually it's be, be rick parry isn't it because he's so desperate to get back in yeah. in some sort of important role in football he's always he's always he reminds me a little bit of of, of, of alan partridge t- touting his game show ideas uh, to all the channels <laughs> he's like, no please let me be right yeah. here's one and, and talking of monkey which, tennis yeah <laughs> and talking of which by the way, uh, what about this? This is an idea I had during the week. Okay, it's basically deal or no deal, right? Yeah. Only half of the boxes have dangerous predator animals inside them. <laughs> and if you open one of those, it's allowed to just wander around the studio taking anybody it wants. Yeah. Do you think? I think it'll work. I don't I don't see why that wouldn't work. Well, I can't see no, either. Exactly. We should put it to uh put it to the banker, somebody yeah. says. Or the zookeeper as it might be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean you read all these uh, recommendations, which all sound great, you know, as recommendations often do. But that's that's all they are. And the kicker is in the last line of the of the story in the paper. Uh, the FSA, Football, Associ- Football Supporters Association Chief Executive Kevin Miles, said the review is potentially a huge step forward for football governance, but that it's now up to the government to deliver. And the government response was, nah, uh, football is an, an international uh, success story, uh, much like um, Peppa Pig. Uh, beep beep. That's what my car sounds like. Is everything okay? Well, of course it's okay. We'll write these recommendations on the on the on the side of a bus. The, the, uh, that's what we'll do. The the, the, ter- <laughs> the terrible and fundamental truth of the matter is that football fans can affect the clubs, but they will not because the way to affect the clubs is to not go to the games. <laughs> if, no, seriously though, it is, and yeah. they will never do that. That never happens. You never get a boycott. You get sort of... I mean, even at Manchester United, you know, you, you've got a few that went off and, and formed FC United and things like that. But the truth of the matter is um, that by effectively not going, 
Yeah. Uh, that would make a difference, but that will never, ever happen. They like and they know that, trouble. and they know it. Well, that's the, that's the thing all over, isn't it? The, the clubs just take uh, take advantage of that uh, captive audience that they have. I mean, at Oldham, there have been uh, stay-away protests all, all this season. And last week, they decided to change tack and went for a thing called pack the park let's have as many people there as <laughs> yeah, possible yeah, to yeah. protest that'll show them yeah exactly yeah, give them, them more they're money all, they're all singing chaddy the l's clapping along on his on his last day with a job oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway last weekend um in the premier league was the start of a number of new eras and perhaps we have a large enough sample to evaluate the phenomenon of the new manager bounce which would be handy well yeah because it's on. two out of two i think <laughs> well yeah well there was eddie howe not ernie howe he missed the first newcastle game of the eddie howe era yeah. didn't he with covid so it was jason yeah. tyndall doing the press after and it felt like they were still really in a sort of caretaker yeah, situation yeah, yeah. and it felt to me very much like the first day at school when my son would pretend he was ill and not going for the first <laughs> yeah. week he was just frit wasn't he he didn't want to sit next to amanda staveley again <laughs> yes. well, who would quite yeah, frankly exactly. <laughs> now jamal lasell scored at both ends the own goal was just a, you know a, a, a deflection off his shin not a full diving Sorry, header no just, point in that. but they got a 3-3 with brentford which was a, a good game not bad Bad, but not enough to keep them off the bottom not enough to end their long winless run but who knows what's going to happen there mm-hmm. bottom of the table was vacated wasn't it by Norwich City after their new manager Dean Smith kicked off with a win it must be very strange for him to be facing Southampton as Norwich managers two weeks after facing them as Villa boss and then getting sacked. And that, that was amazing, I thought, the, 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 the speed at which he was um, um, able to be installed as the new manager, given yeah. that he was actually managing another club, yeah. what, ten days before? Against the same opposition. Against the same it opposition. It was just absurd. My, my favourite game of last weekend, and I, I must be naive, I'd never thought about this, but do you know that the Vatican have a football team? <laughs> no. I didn't know this. And of course, why wouldn't they? You know, it's a place of work. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they just play against other denominations. So, you know. Oh, like in that old Charlie Williams joke about the, uh, the, the Catholics against the rabbis. You remember that? Possibly, I'm but I'm there. not going to go there. No, no. I was thinking more of the Russian, <laughs> Russian Orthodox uh, Church or the Moonies. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so on Sunday, uh, they played at Lazio's training ground against the World Roma organization, which uh, opens up a whole can of worms about yeah. the Lazio Roma thing um, uh, but as you know it's really hard to get a, 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 a referee for, for, yeah, for yeah. friendlies so the Pope and I mean this the Pope not con- just a Pope no the Pope <laughs> contacted directly somebody to referee he asked yeah. Ciro Immobile to come and referee the game, and 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 he did, and it was a seven-seven draw, which I think shows something about the the, the generosity of the church, quite honestly. But it, if you found somebody, well, do you think it was a little bit after you, after you, Claude? Yes, a little bit of that. I think it was a lot of that. Uh, if you found him, you, you didn't uh, just get a free kick. Um, you also had to confess that you had done yes. the thing, and and you had to uh, two do, hail marys do, and ten press Yeah, do, do penance. <laughs> so that's presumably why it was such a high-scoring game. Yeah, cool. Well, at, at the weekend, Antonio Conte showcased his over-the-top body language and entire facial range, which is, goes from calm disbelief to furious disbelief, uh, on the touchline at White Hart Lane. Spurs had a dreadful first half, didn't they, against Leeds, and then a, uh, their sixth straight half without a shot on target, apparently. And the second half was better, they turned it around. He did the prodigal son thing, which Dean Smith did as well, didn't he? He brought on... Um, Who's it? Billy Gilmore, who had been sidelined since September and oh, was playing did, really yeah. well for yeah. Scotland. Yeah. And Todd Cantwell, and apparently they'd not been playing. Yeah. And he brought them back in and they did really well. And uh, Conte brought on Deli Alley, didn't he? Despite him having a selection of Haribo worms on his head. Yes, that was a very <laughs> strange <laughs> look, I have to say. And then there was Stephen Gerrard. He started with a win at, at Villa, 2-0 over Brighton. He started to stamp his authority, hasn't he? Banning tomato ketchup yeah. and fizzy drinks and all sauces and puddings. This is the sort of thing you can only really do I think if you've started with a win and people think there's something you're going to buy into otherwise it feels like a punishment doesn't it I mean a word of warning you know according to Steve McLaren Ronaldo's influence on the team at Man United extends to players not having puddings anymore because he doesn't and no puddings leads to manager being sacked but the really interesting thing I found about the Gerrard and the tomato ketchup is that Conte did exactly the same thing yeah. at Spurs. Yes, he did. He came in and he said, no, there is to be no tomato ketchup. And you just wonder, are the two sorts of managers, ones that approve <laughs> of tomato ketchup and ones that don't? And also, do you start losing the dressing room when little sachets appear there <laughs> <laughs> and everywhere? What? Who's brought this in? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about it reminded me um, of, of a story that uh, Benoit Asukoto told me 
would you believe, of all people, on, um, that um, on his way to the game, he used to go to the game on the tube. Well, the home games, obviously. Yeah, It'd be ridiculous to go to Sunderland on well, the tube. Well, he only played in London derbies. Yeah, cool. yeah. So he, <laughs> he, he, but he used to buy a Big Mac... Uh-huh. Before getting on the tube, he would smuggle it into the ground, and just before kickoff, he'd go into the physio's room where there was a um, um, uh, what do you call that thing where you cook? How old am I? <laughs> uh, uh, the microwave. Microwave. That's yeah, it. Microwave. Cool. And yeah. he used to pop it in the microwave and eat a Big Mac and then go out and play, which is that explains a thing or two. Oh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, you wonder whether there's anything in it nutritionally. Apparently, a sachet of ketchup is ten calories. It has no physiological effect at all. It's just it's a psychological thing. It's stamping authority or giving the impression that you've come in, like Conte and like Steven Gerrard, and you've seen immediately why everything's been going wrong. It's the ketchup. Well, and, and, and do you know that you know that Roy um, Roy Hodgson who replaced Capello, didn't he? Mm. Roy Hodgson um, Capello again had banned the England team from using tomato ketchup. This is just a whole new world I knew nothing about. And Roy Hodgson brought it back in as his first act as as, as England manager. And it makes you think that the PFA must spend an awful lot of time lobbying clubs on behalf of players purely about tomato ketchup. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think it must just mean it's, it's nothing to do with anything apart from, you know, making the players feel subliminally that problems are being solved. You know, <laughs> there's no catch up now. That means we're, we're on the right track. You know. <laughs> anyway, the big the big story at the weekend was United getting thumped four one at Watford. And it could have been worse, couldn't it? You know, De Gea saved a penalty twice and a follow-up goal was chalked off by VAR before there was even any scoring. Maguire was sent off. Funnily enough, didn't cup his ears to his critics as he walked off. (laughs) And afterwards, De Gea said the players didn't know what they were doing, didn't know what to do with the ball, which is uh, pretty damning. It's not about the coaching at Old Trafford because that's that's the basic thing. Yeah, that's a a big criticism, you've got to say. The the front page of The Observer said, which I thought was (laughs) just about the most inaccurate thing you could ever say, Say. It said, Abject United thrashed to leave Solskjaer's future uncertain. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Quite the opposite, oh, I think, dear friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, he's uh, he had a great start, though, didn't he? When, when he was uh, when he himself was an interim coach. And yes. they're talking about replacing him with an interim caretaker and then an interim manager. I mean, it's an odd, an odd way of going about things. I mean, them talking about appointing an interim boss seemed to me at first like an open letter to Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, just just do it to the end of the season. Then we'll find someone honest. <laughs> I mean, of course, he's 79 and has had health issues and stuff, but the hairdryer might still work. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. Did you see that Legoland in Manchester, uh, where they've, they've got an Old Trafford, a Lego Old Trafford, obviously, okay. uh, with more atmosphere, clearly, than the... Re- anyway, that doesn't matter. <laughs> a little Legoland Old Trafford. And they've put they've put now this week a little lego solskjaer with a suitcase walking out <laughs> of old trafford and i'm really hoping that there's also a little taxi cre- uh, queue next to him with Mourinho van hal moise and gigs in it <laughs> <laughs> well just uh, going off into the into the yeah. into the distance yeah, and, yeah. and also did you see that sol camel had suggested that the best person to replace solskjaer at united was steve bruce well <laughs> then, wouldn't that be fantastic yeah you know, well, they, i mean they, I can, you can see his point from a sort of arsenal and tottenham point of view <laughs> <laughs> well you can see it from a, from a united point of view as well because you, you give steve bruce the job he's going to be so happy you can pay him whatever you want he's just had a big payoff from newcastle it'd be like his dream come true but he would have no expectation of staying beyond the end of the season no so you know that, that seems to me to be the the trick the tricky thing about about appointing an interim coach especially at the only the ones that they're looking at include this list of names uh ralph rangnick Who's who's a, 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 a German uh, from uh, who's done uh, managed Schalke and RB Leipzig, and was like Klopp was one of the innovators of the Gegen Press, and this is what they all have in common. These people, they all they're all they all manage teams that press. Gagen, was it the Gegen Press that Gutenberg used? The, uh, initially, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, in the, yeah, in the yeah. 1600s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Neil, Neil Pearson told me that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, so we need to take a break there, and in a moment we're going to have our guest. 
Our guest today is a dyed-in-the-Woolwich Arsenal fan. I could list his many television and other credits, but frankly, we don't have the time. I can only say that he, like us, is passionate about the game of football and, like us, more than happy to share his views on the game with reckless abandon. Thank you for joining us, Mr Alan Davis, especially as I know you have a ballet lesson pending, do you not? <laughs> yes, well, it's, strictly, it's my 10-year-old's ballet lesson. But yes, that is what's in my diary. It's very moment. Yeah. Do you never join in? No. <laughs> well, when they were very little, I would have to get up. You'd have to hold one hand. Sometimes yeah. and one, someone would hold a finger. And yeah. actually, my mother-in-law once attended and, and said to my wife, Alan's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just walking around. Yeah. Yes, and you, you, you clearly treasure that, though. Is that the only kind word you've yes, ever had? comes to mind immediately. Yeah. And, and, and presumably she, yes, what she yes, was saying please. was, wouldn't it be possible to, for him to give up all this silly comedy stuff? Because ballet's clearly his forte. Yeah, there was a little element of finally. Something finally, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, now I can begin to see what you see in it. It's a bit like Granite Jacker against France. Oh, that's what he can do. <laughs> yeah, yes. oh, yeah. He looked great in the Euros, didn't he? Yeah, he looked great in right, the Euros. Different player. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> we'll start with Arsenal, Alan, obviously, because it's been a strange season. Literally, you were bottom about six weeks ago and everybody was calling for well not everybody yeah, a lot of people calling world, for, for yeah. Arte, yes, <laughs> Arteta's uh, ahead and now clearly it's got, gone a bit better although last weekend we got a bit of a drubbing does this feel like uh, a new beginning because that's what that's what all football fans want if you if you're not actually winning anything you're looking for the, the, the grassroots aren't you of a new beginning you are, yeah. I don't know how many false dawns you can have in a row before there's an actual dawn. But it, it's, it, we did have a very good <laughs> so, sorry, You're talking window. to a Stoke fan and an Oldham fan yeah. here. I mean, <laughs> excuse me, no dawns. There are no dawns. <laughs> All dawns are real dawns and they're the start of a shit day. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, go on. <laughs> we were certainly, we'd had the, no, not only no points but no goals. We'd had quite difficult opposition, but we'd also played appallingly badly. And embarrassingly so, and people were very angry and upset, uh, and myself included. And then uh, we bought some really good players, and unusually, for well, one or two players who come from other leagues, like Tommy Yasu, for example, they settled in immediately and started playing very well and mm -hmm. seemed to have the right character and attitude. We also were fortunate that we then played Norwich and Burnley, who were the bottom two at the time, and even worse than us. And we scraped one nil wins against them and started winning some games. And then we smashed Tottenham at the Emirates just as uh, Nuno was finally, his bloom was deflating. So that was an opportune moment. And that got the crowd on his side. And mm -hmm. then we sort of, we won a couple of more games and we felt like, yeah, well, here we go. And then we went to Anfield and just got beaten up by the bigger boys. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, Liverpool are in a, an extraordinary run of goal yeah. scoring at the moment. I was watching that game at, at the weekend and I suddenly noticed, and I hadn't noticed, but I must, it, it, it's been the case for a couple of years, but I suddenly noticed it was branded Saturday Night Football, which I guess has been back for a couple of seasons since they got that package back from BT. But in my head, I'm sitting watching it going, Night Football, Night Football. <laughs> You don't have to show it. And they do, of course, because they've paid so much for the rights. But I suddenly noticed that Arsenal had a player called Tavares. Yeah. And Tavares were in Saturday Night Fever. It only Fever, takes a minute, girl. Yeah. Well, they sang more than a woman, didn't they, on, uh, on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack? Mm. But they were, in fact, yeah. the second most prominent group of harmonising brothers on that album. <laughs> and the Tavares were all brothers. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Five no, brothers with the surname Tavares, which is, you know, as well, a. Well, they they're brothers. They're all going to have the surname yes, Tavares. Of you course. say that as if I'm that's just, a shock. It's just, yeah, it was just a little bit of extra emphasis. But uh, the, the interesting thing was it's a gift of a name if you're an all brother you know, uh, singing group. And so when they started the family band, they thought, what should we call ourselves? And they went, I know, Chubby and the Turnpikes. <laughs> <Call ourselves that. laughs> but I find myself wondering why, uh, why doesn't Arteta put Tavares in charge of organising a defensive wall? Because that was their thing, you know, they're, they're all dressed the same, doing the, the box step and the thing. And that would be such a, su such a sort of great way of putting people off. Well, they, well then maybe that's something you can pass on to Mikel. Yeah, um, off you go, well, Alan. I'm sure he's open to ideas from all quarters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, now, I, from 70s disco yeah. when things weren't going so well and we, we were doing the podcast and I was looking at uh, quite a lot of Arsenal message boards which I have to say is not something I would normally do um, nor, nor I <laughs> no, no well but, but what I found was an incredibly um, divided uh, set of opinions you know see I, I mean I don't 
you know, habitually read anybody's message boards above from Stoke once, but there, there seems to be an awful lot of conflict there. Of, of maybe it's just the anger from maybe the last couple of years of Wenger going on. I mean, do you get that feeling in the ground or not? Um, not so much in the ground because there's a game going on and that's really, people remember then what we're actually It's about. distracting, yeah. It's distracting from the rage. <laughs> I think, the, yes, the, uh, the debate over Arsene's departure was a bit like Brexit. It divided the support and yeah. some would say permanently. Yeah. And uh, now e- Emery was a decent guy but couldn't speak any English and uh, people didn't play for him. Some of the players, Ozil's little clique, didn't play for him. He's shown since that what a good coach he is again. Uh, Arteta suddenly was a, a, a very risky appointment. Never managed anywhere. Uh, Pep's number two isn't a qualification, uh, which is evidenced by the fact that Pep's number two currently is never in the running for any job in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he plainly was out of his depth, making mistakes, and it was very frustrating. But people wanted him to do well and didn't want to change and didn't want to throw somebody out who'd just been there. And there was some... Uh, you know, because he played for the club and he was captain of the club, there was some loyalty to him from way back. So you wanted it to go well. Uh, but really, a lot of people were saying, it's two years now and this is a shambles. We're eighth. But never mind that. We're not getting a shot on goal. It's all very risk-averse and dull. It, mm. You know, what we've lost is the spirit of Wenger's football as well as the success of it. So, yeah, very, very divided. And he was really helped in August by the owners spending a lot of money and really helped. Which has uh, been a moan, that's been a big moan, hasn't it, for a long time. A long time. We're not prepared to spend the money. But also in the past, Nick, you know, the money's been spent, but badly. So Mm -hmm. we signed uh, Podolsky. <laughs> well, I was thinking more recently. We signed, we signed Bern Leno. <laughs> we signed Bern Leno when we had Martinez, you know. And we signed Socrates and we had centre backs. And we signed Torreira and we had El Neni. They're the same player. We signed Pepe for seventy-two million and not Grealish or Zaha. And so you could sort of rage at these mistakes. But the Ramsdale is a really a fantastic signing. Everyone is extremely excited. And about White, him. Well, yeah. Uh, ben White's really good. Gab- Gabriel's learnt English, so he's much better. Kieran Tierney's should have played instead of uh, Tavares at the weekend. But, but of course, the real thrill and excitement uh, about the boys coming from the youth team. So what with yeah, Sacco's yeah. throw, what we have, the f- I have as a sort of old dinosaur fan, is a f- more of a feeling of the George Graham era where there was a crop of young players and then a load of tough young defenders who were loyal to the manager brought in and a plan to grow over three years and I sort of feel as though actually Arteta's stumbled on something and he might have taken him two years to work out what he was doing yeah but I think you're right though I think that that uh, uh, the form of Smith Rowe and Saka particularly has bought him a a load more time I think just because there's a yeah it has and also I think it's given a little lift to Lacazette and Aubameyang who who really are, are infuriating players. You don't know whether they're but, going to turn up or not. Yeah, and the, and the other thing is, you know, as, as, a, as a fan, if a player comes through from the youth team, one, you have a perception of them as having Arsenal in their heart, and secondly, you haven't paid any money for them, and so you, you're more likely to give them a chance. You know, when somebody comes in for an awful lot of money and doesn't seem um, to do anything at all, it's very easy to get cross with them much, much quicker. Now, when this transfer tax comes in, this transfer levy comes in, that'll be even more pronounced, won't it? Because you'll be looking at the players who've come through the youth thing and think, well, at least we haven't given any money to the fucking pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think going in at 10% on the transfer tax mm. it was perhaps where they've gone wrong I mean if they started at 1% well, that yeah, still would be but, a lot of but, money. But, yeah. but they have—they have said if there's a, you know, there's another hit of COVID or any other sort of virus, they, they will suspend it for six months, like they did um, mm. uh, with with stamp duty. So that's good of them. So the whole <laughs> thing about you. So you're saying uh, the Wenger thing was a bit like Brexit, which I which I can see actually, uh, and that also would explain the lack of um, lorry drivers at the Emirates. Um, we don't see many of them at the moment. But you're just talking about the Arsenal way, and I'm always fascinated by that. There was a really good thing in the observer a few weeks ago where it must have been the beginning of the season and they asked um uh, you know somebody from the fanzine from each club or whatever the supporters and they asked them how would you describe your club's philosophy or your way of playing (laughs) and and i've always been 
probably because I'm old enough to remember every team playing in a slightly different way than they do now. I'm always quite, I'm kind of suspicious of that, um, you know, the Arsenal way, the Liverpool way, the Manchester United way. And and, and for many years, of course, the, the classic one was the West Ham way. Um, so if do you believe there to be, um, that's continued through all of your time supporting Arsenal, um, a strand that that links one team with the next? No, not really, because Wenger was a unique period. Wenger had this 22-year <clears throat> period of Wenger. All Wenger's management is so counterintuitive, it's really fascinating. And he certainly didn't devote much time to the opposition. It was all about relaxing his players so that they, they played as they did when they were children. And if, if we would need, if it was... What, on their knees? I remember, <laughs> on their, yeah, you know, it well, until, it gets, until it gets dark. <laughs> <laughs> then they have to come that's in for their so tea. That's how that would explain the nighttime games going so badly yeah. wrong. That's right. They on a Sunday morning at 10. <laughs> and four quarters. But, yeah. I, I do remember we played Hull City in a very... In a very a memorable cup final in 2014 where Hull were 2-0 up and Arsenal were 2-2 and then it went to extra time and and then a half time and extra time penalties are looming I think Hull were pretty dead on their feet and hoping for pens and uh, and, and Wenger brought on uh, Thomas Rosicki and Jack Wilshire and tried to win the game in the last 15 minutes and that's what Wenger was like when every, everything about you was saying if we let one in now we could lose this it's yeah, going yeah. to pens you know and I remember I watched Southgate who I admire greatly uh, in the Euro final and he, and he had this plan to bring on a couple of penalty kickers at the end and I think he should have given them the last 15 minutes and tried to win it in that last period no, he should have tried to win it from the second minute after we scored the first goal to tell you the honesty yeah, and I, I feel for Southgate couldn't too couldn't get the ball I, off them could he well no, the, well, no but they were on their knees for the first 15 minutes Italy they didn't know what fucking day it was and then they just England just backed off and backed off and let them and invited but, them into the game but we're going over old ground well we are we've trodden but many, it's going many, to be it's going to be new ground as well he's but, signed you know, contract, in terms of the, you know the identity of the club, the the, ident- what, the thing that we've sustained that I like is that no one likes to play Arsenal. When you play Arsenal, it's, oh no, it's Arsenal. <laughs> and everyone hated us when George Graham was the manager, and they hated us because we we wouldn't let you score. And then when Vieira and everybody were there, it was quite feisty, and there were a few scraps and some cards, and everyone hated that. And then we got so good that you couldn't get the ball of us, and everyone hated that. Yes. We were unbeaten for a year and a half. Mm. And I then it, we became a soft touch, and that was that people like that a lot better. The they was. do really. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's a story, and I may have told you this before that um, that Tony Pulis told me that he was on a coaching course with Jens Lehmann, um, mm-hmm. and you know, you said that that that. Wenger didn't really concentrate on the other team at all, but he'd become obsessed with the long throws that Stoke were were, 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 were chucking in and, and was really hated them. And our, and our vulnerability to, to them. them. To yeah. them, yeah. So, and Lehman asked Pulis, he said, he said, it may have been Rory, actually. Maybe it was Rory who was on the course. Anyway, well, he said, you know, how much, how much practice, how, how, you know, how much of the training time do you put onto these long throws? And Rory said, well, we never practiced them at all. You don't practice them at all. You know, I can throw it a long way. They know where to stand. There's no practicing. <laughs> and, and, and Lehman said, but before we used to play you, we'd have to do three days of defending long throws. <laughs> and they'd, they'd got some sort of um, um, a, a trebuchet that, that fires things. Yes, yes, the yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they hadn't got anybody who could throw it far enough, which, uh, which did kind of make me, make me laugh a, a, a little That's bit. And, and the other one I really wanted to ask you was the, uh, um, the, the fine player, uh, Stepanov. Um, (laughs) Do you know this? You know the Stepanov story, do you? Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. All the the good players told Wenger how difficult he was to play (laughs) against because they were winding up Martin Keown and saying, "You're never going to get in the side, you know, Martin. If we signed him, you'll never get there." And they all arrive at training at the beginning of the season. It's like, oh God, he's bought him. (laughs) There were many players like Stepanovs actually that Wenger signed for a million quid from here and there. Yeah. And loads of them didn't come through. Yeah, but that's, yeah. I think that's... that's Colo Toure was probably... I think Colo was the one. And once Colo had come through yeah. from really for 250 grand or something, 
Everyone thought this guy's a genius. Has he found him? <laughs> I mean, Patrick Vieira was the best signing ever, but he was signed from AC Milan. It wasn't a secret. Yeah, well, actually, on the subject of Vieira, and and, and and I know Arteta's doing really well. I mean, you, I know Palace. Did Palace win? No, they got a draw, didn't they? The yeah, they, but they probably could have won. Yeah, they got a draw. Oh, they I was at that one. I, I, is it, yeah, they okay. It. I, I didn't yeah, want to they, say that, but yeah. Yeah, they just so, went to pieces in injury time. That d- d- is, is he someone you look towards as a possible future oh, Arsenal man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would he as be the dream he, ticket? Uh, yeah, he would. As soon as he became a manager. The, he's revered. I mean, he's adored and revered. Yeah. And, and he's a he's a fine man. He's a brutal, ferocious fighter, but he's a warm and wonderful human being. I was talking to our, our mutual friend Kevin Day about him, and he said they immediately all love him, yeah, 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 <laughs> straight yeah, away. Yeah. And now they get the ball and keep it. Uh, you know, Roy Hodgson was a terrific manager, but he was very risk averse and oh, very God, cautious. Yes. <laughs> they and, look really uh, good, now, Palace. You know what they've done? They've made yeah, they're they're passing it around. They've made Benteke back how, how Benteke used to be. He's like a beast now. He's scoring yeah, well, a couple of goals. The ball's going into win. the area, isn't it? And and they've only lost away at Liverpool and away at Chelsea. They're really doing incredibly well. So mm. that that when they came to our ground and Arteta was under a bit of pressure, and there's Vieira on the touchline, and the Arsenal fans are singing his name and. Mm. Palace outplayed Arsenal that night. Arsenal nicked a 95th minute equaliser. It was a bit embarrassing. And there were no Arsenal fans left to see it. I <laughs> 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 heard about it in the morning. You know. But uh, City no, have he, got their eye on Vieira as well, haven't they? City, isn't Guardiola's muttered about Vieira taking over from him, oh, you know, one day? Well, he, if he carries on his years at Palace, he won't be short of jobs, I'm sure. No, no, no absolutely. So, um, Vieira, Petit, Henri, the, the French connection, Pires, Spanish-French, Basque, basically, isn't he? Was, was that a, a kind of identity to the club at that time? Because, obviously, France won the World Cup in 98, and that was a very good time for you, and there was a sense in which, uh, because of Wenger, obviously, that there was some sort of a, a, a French model, um, not literally a model, obviously, um, behind the way you were playing. <laughs> um, did, did you associate with the French very strongly? Well, it was, we certainly supported them in the 98 World Cup once England had been knocked out in the most harrowing circumstances. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's hard to describe how good Vieira was. I mean, I know everyone remembers him, but when he made his debut, I think he was 19, and he came on as a sub against Sheffield Wednesday, and they knocked the, the back four could knock the ball into his feet. We watched, we watched them go long to Alan Smith and Niall Quinn for years, you know, and John Hartson. And they could knock it into his... He would demand it even, even if he had two players on him. He would shrug one off and run past the other one. Every part, every, his touch was immaculate. His passing was so crisp and clean. He covered the ground. He tackled everyone. And we were... We said, who is this guy? And, that, and he transformed the team overnight. And when they won the double in 98, the pass Vieira to Bergkamp was the single most common pass in the league. No one player passed to another player more often. Than that. It's a good stat, that one. Yeah, yeah. No one player passed to another more often than Vieira passed to Bergkamp. And I, and I did speak to Wenger about this in a Q&A thing. I said, was that a deliberate ploy? And he said, no, no, football's not as robotic as that. He, it, it, he said, that, that's organic. A team will always pass through its strongest points. And so Vieira's always available, always demands the ball. Bergkamp's always available, always demands the ball. So that's how that worked. And really, that, those two, two men... Two of the greatest, if not the greatest, footballers I ever ever played for us, along of course with Henri. They they the dominant feature, and they meant that the ball was on the ground. The other thing that changed hugely was when we used to get a, if you got a free kick inside the opposition half, then Tony Adams and Steve Bolden, everyone would go in the box, and it would just be chipped into the area. Now, when we got a free kick, Vieira would put his hand on the ball and tap it three yards to the nearest player, not waiting for the opposition to go back ten yards just to keep that rhythm going again. Yep. And we could not understand that. We said, this is a free kick. Get it in there. Said, no. <laughs> Get it in the mixer. Play them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get it in there. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a big change. Whether it was to do with him being French or not, I don't know. I think that he could have come from anywhere. I mean, he was Senegalese, actually, but... Uh, Wenger would have signed him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the uh, we we had a plan. I'm not comparing them uh, as peers, but we had a player called Stephen Nzonzi, who who was a similar shape. He was very tall, but he was actually. Um, uh, incredibly good with the ball and fantastic at winning the ball back. And and when you've got a player like that, he 
just makes the whole thing seem so much easier because they're forever breaking up the play and then being able to create it. Whereas tradition, I think in English football, you break up the play, you do one or the other, and you yeah. give it to somebody else. We've had a, a long sequence at Oldham of players whose job it is to break up things in front of the back hole and then give it to the the bloke two yards away yeah. because they're no, no no good at passing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're very one-dimensional Oldham players, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And and and, it's, and on the subject of the of, of the quick free kick and. and that's disappeared from the game almost completely. It seems to me that when there's a free kick these days in a game, everybody stops and has a drink of water and has a wander around and the referee's not happy that it, 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 it needs to be taken in 30 seconds time rather than straight away. And, and I do feel that's a terrible shame because you know, people talk about game management and breaking up the game and all those things, but it's really tedious when you're watching it, <laughs> when people, you know, just stay down and, and, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, faffing about. Um, well, with uh, those free kicks, they have to arrange that really high line, don't they? Like 25 yards up the pitch yeah. with all the space in behind. And so I think it's a good point that you make there because when the pitch has got good and it was easier to get a booking and, and the ball was more on the ground and people were passing it around more, the way to stop a team then was little niggly fouls. Yep. The team I remember, I think I associate it with Jose Mourinho, but the team I remember doing it the most were Porto against Celtic in that uh, UEFA Cup, Cup final. final yeah, Porto, yeah. Porto won. In Seville, was it? Yeah. They were becoming so, they were, I, think, I think it was, yeah. They were becoming so exasperated by the continual fouling and the going down and lying down and the breaking up of the game. And we saw it a few years later when Mourinho came to Chelsea and I, I, they played Arsenal in a League Cup final 2007 and Arsenal Wenger played the kids and the kids got us to Wembley so he left all the kids in big mistake <laughs> but we were a goal up Theo Walcott's first ever goal for Arsenal and then Drogba scored twice and he always yeah. scored and then they spent the last 10 minutes just pulling shirts falling over staying down it became so frustrating two Arsenal players were sent off there was a fight but, yeah. and, but this was how they did it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you find it, I mean, I find as a supporter, I'm getting really, really wound up. So how the players must feel, uh, you know, it, it's just... Uh, it's unfathomable to me that somebody doesn't lamp somebody because in the seventies that's what would have happened, you know. Well, and as you said earlier, on, it. As you said earlier on the the idea that you know you've got fifteen minutes of extra time to win a cup game and you don't try and win the bloody thing, you you just you're just trying to contain and and take trying your chance with penalties. penalties. It's Arteta just... was the king of it, actually. Arteta, who the other day were, was was saying, or oh, maybe my players were naive when they didn't give the ball back to Watford when they had a player down, but they knew the player wasn't injured, so that was why they didn't do that in the Spanish injury but there was no well, one better got up, but, uh, he, already yeah yeah it was nothing wrong with him and <laughs> Perez used to you are a really doctor well. aren't you of course Alan <laughs> yeah so I could, only from 100 yards away once I get up close I lose confidence <laughs> that's a big stethoscope you've got there <laughs> <laughs> but if you touched Arteta he would fall down and then mm. you'd get a free kick and, and the refs have got to stop giving those. What, They've you, just got to stop giving those when they, there's a little contact and they fall down. But I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that players are told from a young age that a free kick is more valuable than carrying the ball. And I believe that, that when they go down and get a free kick, they get applauded for it. And so it becomes part of being a professional footballer. You know, don't be naive and think about yourself. Go yeah. down, because that means we're safe. We can't be conceding a goal when we've got a free kick. And kids see well, that. True. Kids see that on match today, see that on the live games, and they do it in, in school games. You know, they, go, also, they learn also to... Also now, there's such an emphasis, again, it's come round again, on set pieces. Set pieces are the thing. Yeah, David yeah. Moyes' West Ham team are fantastic, and one of the reasons they are is because they're, they're so dangerous from set pieces. Well, and you scored, you've scored two very similar corner goals in the last three weeks, haven't you? From, from that, that sort of standing on the line and then coming back out again set piece that you do. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think, you, I think you're right there. Aren't we coming well, well, I think that the, you know, there's a lot made about where, where they're all running around in the box, but if you, the key to a corner is hitting a good corner. The reason why Rory Delap's throw-ins were so good was they were so flat. They just came in completely flat. Mm. So you really couldn't make any adjustment. 
He didn't lob them in. They came in like a missile. It was really an unusual technique. I don't know why he was the only one in the league who could do it. No one else. You'd think every team could have one. You'd of these think Oldham have a Oldham have a young left back who's apparently uh, who's the, you know our long throw merchant. And his, as you say, you know Rory, Rory's ones would come in like seven feet off the ground and keep going. Yeah. But uh, our lad throws it straight up in the air, and sure enough, it comes down in the belt area. But it's got you know it's got well, yeah. snow on it when and, it comes down. And of course, there's no. <laughs> There's no point in trying to deflect that. No, it's got no power at all. No, it's no using pa- the pace on the ball. Yeah, because yeah, no, <laughs> it's landing on top of your head. It's I, did, it. I did use the pace on the ball, and that's why it dropped to my feet. The pace on the ball is all provided by gravity. It's not provided by the throw at all. Anyway, Alan, thank you so much for coming on. We've really uh, loved having you on, and we hope oh, you'll come back you. sometime soon. And, oh, for, and uh, I wanted, while we've oh, just got oh, Alan, oh, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to uh, say uh, during the summer. I suddenly found myself fielding all sorts of messages from people saying, you know, they just said you were quite a good batsman on Test Match Special. And I'm thinking, <laughs> really? Who said that? Was it Boycott? Was it Boycott? But no, it was you. I'm <laughs> doing a few from the band. So thanks for that. Experience. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And what I remember was it was a drop in, you hitting a ball to me. And I think it was the first ball of the game. We hadn't done any catching practice. I was standing <laughs> around, not expecting it. And this ball came flying towards me and hit me in the chest. That sounds, and, and that sounds exactly it. the same. Oh. Picking out the field off the first it. ball is exactly what I would do. <laughs> Arthur Smith was fuming at me because he always wanted to get you out. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I threw the ball to the bowler and we ran out the guy at the non-striker's end who didn't face the ball. He looked at me <laughs> to say, well, thanks very much. I've come all the way down here on a Sunday. Why would you do something as horrible as that? And I actually apologised to him. <laughs> well... Well, 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 while we're doing things we've heard on the radio about ourselves from Alan, oh, somebody yeah. said to me, and this is probably about four years ago, oh, Alan Davis mentioned you on the Jonathan Ross radio show this morning. I said, oh, really? What did he say? And he said, he said you're the laziest person that he's ever met. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. <laughs> well, nor can I. What, lazy, well, no, I can't believe it. <laughs> lazier than Mickey Hutton. <laughs> what context that would be. I don't know. I'll tell you what I thought before I go. I thought you were going to ask me about it, um, Klopp and Arteta having well we still can <laughs> and, uh, and it was all very embarrassing when the managers lose their marbles over, yeah, yeah. over really over nothing you know yeah. but uh, Arteta, Arteta it's, it, it just occurred to me that it was a real sense of humour failure and all you need to say to Arteta is this is the voice of the Mr. Ons. That's really it. If you say that to him, the resemblance to Captain Scarlet will kick in and he'll become very, very serious about something other than football. Yeah, he's more like Captain Black. Check the eyes. He is Captain. He's so Captain Black. Well, we'll perhaps talk about the, the relative, uh, merits of all the coloured captains from Spectrum next week. From Spectrum. <laughs> yeah. uh, but thank you so much um, to Alan Davis and uh, obviously. Obviously, please recommend this podcast to anybody that uh, you think might enjoy it. Send us a review, rate us, do any of those things, or even just send cash. Cash (laughs) would be good. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.